Welcome to Why Though. We're your hosts, Tiffany Bloom and Ashley Abercrombie. We land somewhere in between Mother Teresa and Biggie Smalls, and we're just wondering, why though? We all have questions, from our existential crisis curiosities to our, hey girl, why your eyebrows look so good though? And we want to tackle all of those questions with you. Welcome back to Why Though. We are so glad you are tuning in with us. Now, I don't know if your kids are out of school yet. I don't know if you went on summer vacation yet or if you just took a sick day because you just needed a minute or what your situation is. (laughs) But we are in the thick of June. And I just have to say, Ashley, I keep forgetting it's June. I'm like, oh, it's like end of May, right? Because my kid is still (laughs) in school. Yeah, so I don't, you know, so I don't have to totally admit that I have a lot of time to fill and figuring out how to still get everything done. I will tell you this. Yes, actually. agreed. My esthetician, who is also was also my doula, who was also my closest confidant, she said to me, Tiffany, I'm going to be the fun mom this summer. She's like, I'm going to go jump on the trampoline, even though I might pee myself instead of doing the laundry. Or I might not make a big dinner <laughs> because... Because the laundry feels important or doing all the paperwork or whatever. And this is a woman who owns a very successful um, aesthetics business and works quite a bit. But she said, when I'm home, I'm going to be all there. So I would just say, this summer, wherever you are, be all there. If you're at work, do your best to be (laughs) all there. If you're home, do your best to be all there. If you're taking a run. What if you're doing both of those things and just have to struggle through with Netflix um, for your children and... Also, finding be all there to do so that you can work. <laughs> no Anybody guilt. Anybody else out there, fill me. <laughs> no <laughs> guilt. No guilt. No guilt. I just have to say, Power Rangers, SPD, and Dino Thunder have been coming in real handy in the you last few days. <laughs> Dino Dana is our go-to these days, and it's phenomenal. Dino Dana is that? Dino, you need that Netflix. in your life. It's so great. It's on Amazon. Okay, I'll tell you something. Is so Kingston will not. It's so inappropriate. He's only four years old, but he wants something like seven plus. He won't do like anything animated anymore. Really? Yeah, it has to be like live action. Oh, well, then he'll love Dino Dana. I love oh, recommend. it's live action? Mm-hmm. Oh, perfect. This is good. <laughs> With a name like Dino Dana, you can never be sure. Honestly, it's perfect. Oh, good stuff. Well... Uh, Today, we want to share with you two women that we have been chatting about personally, and we want to share them with you. One of them you probably know very well and heard of all through elementary school, high school, college, and into your days right now. And the other one, maybe not so much. Her name is Claudette Colvin, and she was a young 15-year-old gal in the height of the civil rights movement. And there's so much to learn from both of their stories. So as we are covering um, a variety of stories this summer, and we've talked about some incredible women, um, we thought you would need to hear about them as well. So I am just going to share a little bit about these women and what we can learn from them and really how their story can speak so much to our story and Mm -hmm. our situation in this time, in this season of our lives, no matter where you live, no matter if you're here or in the UK or in Africa, or wherever you're listening from. Um, We hope that you'll be encouraged by their story. So without further ado, let me tell you. So Claudette Colvin, as I said, she was 15, and nine months before Rosa refused to give her seat up on a bus in Montgomery, Alabama, 
Claudette did the same thing, as did a few other women. But while some of them only got fines and they went along about their way, Claudette was arrested, which at that point, women, if they were told to move, they would either do it or just face a small fine. So for this right. young girl to refuse to give up her seat, and um, she was interviewed about her actions. She says, I'd been learning about all that Sojourner Truth had done and all that Harriet Tubman had done and all that we were facing and how hard it was to keep your sanity in the midst of segregation. And she said, I just couldn't do it. Hmm. And so under her breath, she whispered to herself Psalm 23, and she whispered to herself the Lord's Prayer. Wow. (laughs) And within minutes after being told to get up and give her seat to a white woman, even though she had her book bag and all of these things on her way home from school, on that afternoon, March 2nd, she... She didn't want to do it. And so she was arrested by two officers, one grabbing each side of her, and they drug her out backwards. And rather than fighting, Hmm. she went limp like a baby and just let her drag him out. And as soon as she went and sat in a cop car by herself, and she was just overcome with fear, as anybody would be, no matter what age you are, no matter what your situation is. And they came back and they rolled down, told her, you know, they rolled down the window and they said, put your arms out. And they handcuffed her. And then she put her arms back in, and they opened the door, and an officer was in the front, and an officer was in the back with her. And then they started to just say things no 15-year-old girl needs to hear, yeah. things that were scary for her, for her body. She was terrified. And then they went to the police station, and then shortly after went to a women's prison, not a juvenile detention center, but a women's prison. Right, and which they, I don't think people really understand how, how often that happens. Right, That Talk about teenagers that. are taken, you know, it, it's only been recently, like in the last 20 years, that people are st- are not being tried as an adult, as an adult mm. for teenage things. So then at this time, when civil rights had not been fully processed, where people were not fully given their rights, they were not treated like kids. Because let's be reminded, a 15-year-old is a kid. Yeah. And so I don't think people fully understand our criminal justice system and how it works. Even here in New York, and North Carolina is the other one that, you know, you could still um, you could still put a teenager on death row until oh my like gracious. last year, and so I think it's really important pe- for people to understand that we very often don't treat teenagers as kids, and especially yeah. people of color. You know, we automatically make them into this adult, and if they're not doing what we think they should do, or they're acting like a normal teenager, we treat them like they're this horrible person, like they've done all these terrible things, like there's absolutely no redemption. And so I really think it's important for us to acknowledge that this happens in our criminal justice system even today. So it would have been worse for her, obviously. But goodness gracious, like, I can't believe this crap is happening. Yeah, I think the Central Park Five are another good example of that. You you know, it's so funny. So the other day, I asked my husband, I said, how old do you think those boys were? And he said, oh, 18, 20. I said, Mm -mm. the youngest was 14. 14. 14. Yep. So these are are children. (laughs) These are children. These are children. Yes. So she gets hauled off to jail. She doesn't get a chance to make a phone call or anything like that. She just gets put in a cell. And she says when she heard the the gate behind her, she said, I just felt so trapped. She said, I started crying, wondering what to do, if my mama knew what was going to happen to me. And so the other girls on the bus quickly ran home and called her mama. And her mama was, um, was a maid at... Um, at a family's home and so they called her and they said we'll come watch those babies and help clean and you go you go get your daughter and so she called her pastor mm-hmm. and her and her pastor drove down and her pastor paid the bail mm-hmm. and they got out 
And one of the things I want to share with you about one of the things her her pastor said to her that was, I think, just so, so beautiful when she felt so overwhelmed in the moment and wondering if anybody even knew she was there and wondered if anyone cared or if it advanced the movement or if she if she if she did the right thing she felt like she did the right thing but she was wondering if other people thought she did the right thing and he said to her claudette i'm so proud of you everyone prays for freedom we've all been praying and praying but you're different you want your answer the next morning and i think you just brought the revolution to montgomery Mm. so while so many didn't applaud her for her efforts and felt like it didn't do something for the movement to hear her pastor and the person she looked up to so much and her mom very much looked up to her pastor um to really root her on and be in her corner meant so much because not many were yes Especially for a young person, it just goes to show to the power of a community of faith when a community of faith is really a community, yeah. you know, the support, um, you know, we'll get into some civil disobedience stuff later and what that really means, but you need support when you decide to take a stand against something that is written into a law, but it's an unjust law and it's not fair and it's wrong. And it's based on the color of a person's skin. You need people in your corner and even more than having people in your corner to have a person of faith in your corner, who's going to be trusting and believing that there is hope at the end of this thing, even though the, the, everything looks very bleak, everything looks very dark. How could we possibly see a way out of this, you know, to have a person of faith going, Hey, this is it. Like you did it. You did the right thing. And this brought the revolution. I mean, that's really, really powerful. And to be seen, you know, it's not like as you're about to get into Rose's story, she didn't, Claudette didn't go into the history books in the same way, no. but to be seen and to have the reminder that heaven sees you and yeah. that heaven is acting on your behalf. And then no matter what applause you get here or what critique you get here, heaven is watching and there will come a day and a reckoning. Like I love to say that God has all the receipts. Like he has oh, accurate records. He is I've never keeping heard that. Accurate account. And so when we get there, the Lord will see, hey, well done. You know, just thinking about Claudette's life. Well done. No one saw you. No one applauded you. You didn't get into many history books, but well done. You know, you're in heaven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't it make you think of just the heroes and Hebrews who were just heroes yes. of the faith, but didn't see totally. all the promise come to pass in their lifetime? Yes. But it doesn't mean it didn't come to pass. It doesn't mean it wasn't worth it right. and that their lives didn't count for something and that they weren't. Um, they weren't marching in the right direction and bending towards justice. Yes, oh, that's beautiful. I love it. And I just want to swing back on what you said about their seats. I think you really blessed somebody this morning. Yeah. Bless somebody today. Whenever you're listening, if it's morning, yes. noon, or evening, God keeps their seats. He sees he you. Does. He sees you no matter where you are. He sees you. He yes, knows you. That's He's right. with you. He's for you. Yep. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. Now I want to contrast that just a titch. As this, as we talk about this 15-year-old girl, now with Rosa Parks, 42 years old, when she refused to give up her seat on December 1st, 1955, same year as Claudette. And she was the secretary of the NAACP for her local chapter. She um, set up the communion every, every Sunday morning at her church. Mm. She um, was a seamstress. And I like to think she was a really gifted one. I just added that in myself. I'm just confident because she was such a bulldog and such a winner at every area of her life. Just the way she served her church, the way she served her community, the way she served her family, the way that Rosa Parks was such an advocate for other women. Um, One of the things that um, I didn't realize until doing research um, on her as an adult was her commitment to stand with other women and women's rights throughout her life, um, especially for 
black women who had yeah. been sexually assaulted. Um, I think of Gertrude Perkins or Recy Taylor defending yeah. the rights of women's prisoners. Yes. And also specifically, I think when Joan Little, a 20 year old, 20, 20, that's barely not a baby, yeah. 20 year old black woman serving a seven year sentence for robbery. She was killed. Um, she killed a white guard who sexually assaulted her. And Parks co-founded Detroit's Joan Little Defense Committee. And Little was acquitted because and became the first woman in U.S. history to successfully use self-defense against sexual assault in a homicide case. So, so awesome. I mean, she was just, I just truly, I can't wait to meet her um, in, in eternity because I'm just so in awe at such a general in the Lord's Army. Yeah, seriously. Such a general in the Lord's Army. Yes. And so she was passionate she cared so much for her community. And she also spoke, as Claudette did, to the insanity of trying to live a quote-unquote normal life defined by somebody who didn't understand the weight in, of your burdens and just the weight of how life was supposed to be lived as dictated by somebody who didn't intimately know your trials and your troubles. Right. And so it's just so powerful to hear um, of all she did because she did way more than refuse to give her seat up yes. on December 1st, 1955. Yeah. And, and of course, just a few blocks from that bus stop where she refused to give up her seat was a church where there was a young pastor by the name of Martin Luther King Jr. who <laughs> heard of all that Rosa did and felt like because of what Rosa had just done and the situation, the very specific situation that she was in, felt like that was their time to strike. Even though so many others, again, had refused to give up their seat or had been fined, they felt like that was the breaking point, was a 42-year-old woman after a long day of work who quietly refused, quietly resisted yeah. to give up her seat. And you know what's interesting? James Blake peacefully james yes. blake was the bus driver that day and she had had a run-in i want to say i believe about 12 years prior to that where she had paid her fare but because she couldn't board on the front she had to board on the back of the bus the exit he drove off before she could get on mm. and she couldn't stand this guy and and another crazy thing just little, little tidbits here um she normally took the five o'clock bus home after after work but she wanted to go christmas shopping so she went christmas shopping and then took the six o'clock bus home and so because she had that hour later, she ran into James Blake, and she wouldn't have run into him earlier that day. It would have been a different bus driver, as she claims. And uh, and so there she is on that bus driver. And she's think on that bus thinking, like, oh, my goodness, i got to deal with this joker. And uh, when he said, I'm going to have you arrested, and she replied, you may do just that. Hmm. She said it calmly. She said it matter-of-factly. Mm -hmm. You may do just that. So, Ashley, I want you to talk a little bit about, I think you are much more of an expert on civil disobedience, especially in how we can look at the past and contextualize it for the here and now. So when you hear that, what goes through your mind? Man, um, well, definitely not an expert for those who are listening and new, but have some experience. Because <laughs> yeah. I know there's so many qualified people out there. Tiffany and I work with so many amazing justice people who know what the heck is going on. Um, but I think civil disobedience to me um, is such a powerful reminder of peaceful protest and how powerful mm. it really is. And I think sometimes in the community of faith that I am a part of, in the evangelical stream, very often we hear some people hear the word protest and automatically think about rebellion. And yeah. they think like, oh, well, you can't do anything that would disobey the law. Um, and very often, you know, especially white people, we are taught so often to um, listen to all authority figures, no matter what they are asking you to do. And in 
reality, we can't do that. It's not helpful. It is not the right thing to do when the law is asking you to be unjust. And so I think that, you know, Rosa's story is such a powerful reminder that civil disobedience is the way to go. It was a peaceful protest. It was saying, I am a human being. I'm created in the image of God. I am made like my creator and my skin tone should not be the thing that tells me that relegates me to the back of the bus. The melanin in my skin should not be the determining factor as to what my rights are in society. We spoke earlier about how Rosa very often gets painted as this woman who is just, you know, quiet and meek. And you know what? I don't think there's any um, any reason we should divorce that from the fact that so many people paint Jesus as this man who was meek and quiet. When the Ooh. truth is, he was intense and he was a man of civil disobedience. He did yeah. decide to heal people on the Sabbath when everything in his culture would be like, we're going to kill you for that. And he yep. did make decisions to love people and everybody else was like, I'm going to walk right past them. And he did decide to touch the untouchable people who would make him unclean because he was a man who would operate in what was the right thing to do. What was the highest praise he could give is praise unto God. And to give praise unto God means that we are going to love our neighbor as God has designed us to love our neighbor. And Jesus would not forsake people for this law that would be unjust. And I think so deep abiding in Rosa would have been that same passion for Christ that would have said, you know what, enough is enough. And this is wrong. And I am not going to do it. And so we cannot continue to paint these beautiful people who are powerful people. I mean, Tiffany just, you know, listed out all these incredible things that made up Rosa's life. And we, we can't paint her as this quiet person who just did whatever anybody thought she should and just would pray for her leaders. It's like, no, she wasn't that way. She was a woman who would say, you know what, this is the right thing to do for my time and place in history. And I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to make sure that all people who are created in the image of God have access to the things that they should have access to, that we should not have a colored only bathroom and we should not be sitting on the back of the bus because of the color of our skin. And so in that, I think that we can learn from Rose's example and so many things that are happening right now in our history to go, you know what? Uh Uh-uh, this is not okay. I don't care what that policy says. That is in direct conflict with what I believe as a believer. It's in direct conflict with how humanity should be treated. And if I'm going to call myself a believer, then I will peacefully protest this thing because it is not right. And so that's what I'm most appreciative about Rosa's life and about Claudette's life is their great courage and this this deep abiding value within them for humanity and for all humanity. And you know what else? It wasn't just her standing up for people who were, um, you know, uh, black men and women or for other um, women and men of color in society, but it also is, it is a disservice for white people to continue to assume that they are superior. It is a disservice. It is a sin. It is a sickness. It is a disease. It is an illness for a race to walk around as if they are superior and everyone else should be relegated to something beneath them. That is a level of, um, of fear and insecurity and hatred that no human being should be walking in. And that burden must be lifted off of people. That burden of pride and that burden of superiority should be lifted off of people because it is a sin. And so I think it's really important for us to recognize that the work of these powerful women was not just for their people, but also for people like me who needed to understand that we are all made in the image of God, that we are all his sons and daughters and we have a place in society and that the ground at the foot of the cross is level. And level. that my friends is my diatribe for today. <laughs> so well said. I wish I had like an applause button where it would just start playing people's applause. But this is not, this is not a late night show. So I don't have that, but right. I do want to say 
<laughs> that was so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And I think um, this is a rather vulnerable statement to share, but as a person of color, yeah. sometimes I fear making statements like you just made because I, I so fear being seen as like, oh, she's just upset that right. white people have power, you know, or oh, she just feels like, people of color are still marginalized or, oh, mm. she, j- you know, you just kind of get dismissed. Yeah. And it's like, should I waste my breath, you know? But obviously yeah. I need to say what I need to say what I need to yes. say. But at the same time, um, I hope, listener, you are encouraged to know that no matter the color of your skin, that was evil and there is evil among us. And so many of us, when we think of civil disobedience, we think like, oh, I'm not political. Well, that in itself is Come a political on. statement. Or Absolutely. we think... I, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to rock the boat. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to get all up in that. And I think that you have to be able to live with yourself. And it's because of who Jesus is yeah. that Claudette and Rosa did what they did. It was because yes. of his death and resurrection, because of his ministry and his message and his gospel, that they acted in such a way that brought change and brought heaven to earth in that manner and in that time and in that yeah. scenario. So I think we have that same. Um, we have that same anointing yes. we have that same anointing to bring heaven to yes. earth in the way that god has fashioned us to do um i think another thing i wanted to say was that this wasn't an accident right this was an accident uh, these women are often especially rosa painted as like an accidental hero yeah and there's no such thing that was she knew exactly what was at stake that's right she knew the decision before her and yes. she made it yeah and she made it yes so there this is she wasn't an accidental hero in american history she was just a hero yeah she was just a hero yeah um and there were so many others who played such critical roles, and and there's so many today. Yes, and really you are. are one of them. When when you stand for truth and justice, when you stand for goodness and equality and mutuality, you stand for the way of the king. You yes. stand for the way. That can be small. That can be big. That's it. That can mean you know. And I think right now. One of the things that comes to my mind, even, and I know this is bringing down to a very practical level, but, um, you know, I think of all uh, the conversation around school lunch debt in schools. Gosh, yeah. Just in our, uh, just in our district alone, there's $160,000 in unpaid school lunch debts. And I think, you know, we're seeing all of these stories pop up of kids who are like trying to raise money to cover yeah. their, the, the debt in their in their classroom of their peers yeah. versus having a larger conversation Come of on. the fact that we have us, we are turning 10 year olds into debtors, Come you on. know, and being able to, Come on. and it's it been for something really, they I mean, didn't even, they can't help. It's like for unbelievable. Something they can't help totally. Um, and it's been incredible to see mamas rise up and be like, we need to fix this. I, yes. I might be able to afford lunch for my babies, but if she can't, then I'm going to go to bat for her. Like, yeah. how can we fix this so everybody is equal? It was interesting. On that note, I called a friend um, who lives in another country, and I said, hey, uh, do you pay for school lunch? And she said, not no. until, <laughs> yep, she said, not until almost middle school, yeah. middle school age yeah. do they have to pay. And I was like, oh, my goodness, wow, that's just not even a concern of yours to know that yes. all the children are well-fed, breakfast and lunch or whatever the case may be. So yeah. even that right now, that is blowing up social media right now, this issue and seeing so many moms get so passionate about this to bring change has been really, and just women in general. Yes. Um, not not just mothers, but anyone who wants to see children fed, right? That should yeah. be all of us yeah. um, to be so passionate about that. So when we think about Claudette and Rosa, you may be thinking, well, you know, that was 60, 
five-ish years ago, like how does that matter now? There are issues of our day. And my 100%. pastor often says, um, what are the issues that are written in letters so big that you can't see them clearly? Because it's yeah. so big and it's an all-encompassing issue. He's mm-hmm. like, step back and look at those issues. And as a believer, as a yeah. follower of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth, who taught us his ways and his practices, how can we walk that out? With yes. grace, humility, and conviction. Yes. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Ashley, do you have any closing thoughts? I don't. I do. One quick one. <laughs> you know, some other, some other things that you could get involved in, because I love the lunch conversation. And then also, you know, we see issues in the news, like the, the woman who was just in Phoenix and um, police, police officers asked her to keep raising her hands as she was holding her baby. And Ugh. I watched that video and was like, Jesus, I mean, this is everything about this is so wrong. They have a gun, a gun pointed at this one-year-old baby who cannot walk. She cannot put her baby down. And so I called the police station and just left a voicemail for them. And I called their mayor and left a voicemail. It's like as simple as that. I don't live in that state. Yes. I can't vote on those policies, but you know what? I can make a phone call. I have time to do that. You know, and I think about like, there's plenty of other issues that we see and don't just allow yourself to be desensitized by media and just to take it all in like do something with it you can make a phone call you can call a senator you can write an email you can pay somebody's lunch there are simple things that you could do that would be making a a significant difference in people's lives can you imagine if hundreds of thousands of us just did the few simple things we would come heard. we would be seen there is so much power in our collective that we are neglecting in this individualized world that we live in so let's not be those people let's band together and let's make change because we can and it's possible and we should and we need to yeah you know so often individually we can feel so disposable yeah but as a collective as a movement we're indispensable that's exactly right yes that's a word tiffany we love Mm. you listeners we love you we'll see you next week bye-bye bye hey listeners remember to subscribe and comment it helps others to find the show To learn more about Tiffany's writing, speaking, or books, visit TiffanyBloom.com. To learn more about Ashley's writing, speaking, or books, visit AshAbercrombie.org. See you next week.